Hello and welcome back to Equity, the TechCrunch podcast where we unpack the numbers and the nuance behind the headlines. My name is Alex. It is February 7th, 2022, and I want you to get pumped. I am excited about this week because we have quite a lot to chew on. But first, let's talk about the markets, big tech and some startups. Starting off this morning with the stock market. Well, over in Asia, stocks are mixed. They are down in Japan and they are up in China. Over in the EU, stocks are generally higher. They're nothing too crazy to report there. Here in America, U.S. futures are little changed as we record this morning. And I'll just say major cryptos, largely flat. Not too much going on there. So if you own Bitcoin, well, you can rest easy this morning. However, if you do own a minor crypto, you may be having a better start to the week given that some of those coins are actually doing quite well in early morning trading, though, of course, crypto markets, they don't close. What else? Well, here in the U.S., we are anticipating inflation data on Thursday. I think we all have an opinion about what that number is going to be, but it never actually hurts to get the data. Of course, this will impact interest rates, which will impact asset prices, which, of course, will impact the value of technology companies. So if you want to look really far ahead, pay attention to that. On the earnings front, we have Lyft and Uber and Twilio and Twitter and Cloudflare and Affirm this week. Those are the major names that I saw this morning. Lyft and Uber, of course, in the on-demand ride-hailing and food delivery world. Twilio in the developer tools and on-demand software world. Twitter, social media, Cloudflare, DNS, and other stuff that I don't understand. And Affirm, of course, consumer lending. So that's the week. Let's move on. Now, Equity is not the Joe Rogan Experience Explainer podcast. That's not what we're here to do. But we do have to talk about the famous podcaster and his boss a little bit this morning because it brings up an interesting point about platforms, technology, publishing, media, and how they intersect. So one thing that people not in media get wrong a lot is conflating editing with censorship. And Spotify is learning this lesson in a very public and very agonizing way. So recently, after it resurfaced that the company's star podcaster had used racial slurs in dozens of his past shows, another 70 or so episodes of the Joe Rogan experience went down on Friday. The company's CEO sent out a letter talking to his team about the matter. Essentially, Daniel Eek is sticking to his guns, muddling between correctly observing that his company is a publisher and a platform and claiming that it is only a platform. Now, the remedy for the latest Joe Rogan controversy is not for the platform to edit the show. That does not seem to be kind of what they have in mind. They could pull the stupid bits, something that happens, I'll just point out, on most shows as editing is both normal and a way to make better stuff. Instead, the company is going to invest more money in other shows. So according to a letter that Eek sent to Spotify's staff, the CEO, quote, believes in elevating all types of creators, including those from underrepresented communities and a diversity of backgrounds. So what to do? Well, he is, quote, committing to an incremental investment of $100 million for the licensing, development, and marketing of music, artists, and songwriters, and audio content from historically marginalized groups, a sum that he says will, quote, dramatically increase our efforts in these areas. All right, so a couple things. One, this is yet another editorial decision by Eek. In short, to avoid admitting that he's making editorial choices, the CEO of Spotify is committing to more editorial choices. There is no way out of this other than to stop buying exclusives or start acting like a publisher. Spotify wants to have the platform publisher dichotomy both ways while making the max money and taking the least responsibility. <sighs> One wonders how many times the rake must smack the company in the face before it grows up and admits to what it has become. Well, everyone, it turns out that dog walking is not a technology business. This according to news that broke late last week that WAG, a startup that once raised $300 million in a single check from the SoftBank Vision Fund, is going public via a SPAC in a deal that will value the company at a, quote, 
pro forma enterprise and equity value of approximately $350 million. That is not a lot of value for the amount of money that went into the company. Now, I don't just want to wake up on a Monday, shit on SPACs or dog walking or the first vision fund, really. Instead, I want to talk just a little bit about the dividing line between what a tech company is and what it's not, or maybe what counts as a tech business and what really doesn't. This matters because we've seen a lot of companies go public and then suffer as they were kind of converted from, say, tech valuations to insurance valuations. So there's a real precedent to what we're talking about here. And it matters in the WAG case because, well, you'll see. Tech-enabled companies are those with core non-tech operations that are helped or assisted by technology assets. For example, dog walking, enabled by a mobile application. Versus companies that are technology firms that interact or influence majority non-tech operations. So essentially, is tech the core thing or what merely enables something else? So for example, if WAG had built a platform that gave individual dog walkers their own online business instead of doing the work itself, it might have been a tech company. Anyways, the final price for WAG and the fact that it has to go public via a SPAC instead of going public under its own steam years after it raised nine figures are a very good, and I'll say stark, reminder of this difference. So please keep in mind the difference between tech and tech-enabled as you read venture funding news and ask yourself what's really being given capital here. We have a couple of funding rounds for you this morning, some companies that I'm actually quite excited about, though for very different reasons. And because the TechCrunch US team is currently finding the coffee pot and the keyboard, well, we're gonna look around the world. And we're gonna start with Kate Park, who writes for TechCrunch that Swing, a quote, South Korean electric scooter and micromobility startup has raised a $24 million Series B. What does Swing do? Well, it operates a fleet of quote, 35,000 electric vehicles, including e-scooters and e-mopeds. Now. This is actually pretty cool because I thought this model was kaput, but it turns out it's not. But Swing has more to it. What does the company do? Well, it operates a fleet of, quote, 35,000 electric vehicles, including e-scooters and e-mopeds. And, quote, apart from its Swing app, the shared micromobility startup recently launched a new app called Dayrider that enables delivery riders to rent e-mopeds or e-scooters for just one or two days without the hassle of charging. I think this is really, really cool. I'm a little bit shocked though, because after watching Lime and Bird in the US and other companies really try out this e-scooter rental model and struggle, I'm shocked there's more capital for it. But then again, South Korea is a market with a lot of urban density, and perhaps that's the real key to unlocking e-scooter magic. I don't know, but swing 24 million. Let's see how it goes. And turning the globe a whole half spin, Lagos and Texas-based Reliance Health has raised a $40 million Series B for its African-focused health tech business. CEO Femi Kuti told TechCrunch what their company is, quote, trying to do is use technology to make quality healthcare accessible and affordable in emerging markets. Now, honestly, this is very, very cool. And in my view, a good use of tech if the math all works out. Now, telemedicine has been a huge market during the pandemic. And so it's great to see more companies working with the model. Pretty much it's too hard to see a doctor everywhere, especially if you need specialized service. So perhaps this is the way forward, not just for developed markets, but also emerging markets. Also, I just want to point out how normal it feels now to hear about a $40 million Series B from Africa when a few years ago, not that long ago, just like two or three years, we would have been surprised to see an early stage round of such size from the continent. It's essentially a marker of how rapidly the venture capital market has grown in Africa. So looking ahead, my new question is this, can African venture activity in 2022 beat its 2021 record levels? And if so, by how much? 2021 was a great year for African startups compared to their previous years. So let's see if we can beat it this year. We're going to be talking about that quite a lot. 
Over the last week, you've heard quite a lot about Facebook, or Meta, if you want to call it by its new name. The company's earnings report was lackluster, it's losing users, people were unimpressed with its profitability. It was kind of a bad overall period of time for Mark Zuckerberg's company. And essentially, watching Facebook try to pivot to the metaverse is fascinating, as it's a huge move by a huge company into waters that, when previous folks tried to explore them, largely wound up nowhere. And so I've been reading a lot of Facebook analysis in the last couple of days, including, I'll just say, a very good piece on the matter by Ryan Broderick of Garbage Day. Big recommend there. And I've come to an analogy of what Facebook is up to. But to understand this, you have to kind of know how Alphabet does math. So if you haven't looked into Alphabet, it's essentially a collection of businesses, YouTube, Google, and so forth, and then other bets. Other bets is a line item where it puts things that are more speculative, more out there, things that won't come to fruition for some time. And in theory, projects will graduate out of other bets into the main corporation, but it's a place where Google puts its skunk works essentially. And it's been a lot of fun to watch over the years. So Facebook's goal of building out a huge metaverse business, its so-called Reality Labs revenue line item, is a bit like Google's other bets, except that it isn't another bet. It appears to be the main wager. And this is going to be really fun to watch because Facebook does break out its metaverse revenues as their own segment. And if you don't like this, by the way, tough. Mark has control of the company thanks to its share structure, so it's his way or GTFO. Or in other words, get in, nerds. We're going to the metaverse. Somehow, my friends, we are out of time. So that means I have to tell you now to follow Equity on Twitter, where we tweet as a group under the handle EquityPod. You can also follow me. I tweet under the handle at Alex, though after saying that for nearly five years, if you don't follow me on Twitter by now, you probably don't want to, and that's fine. Anyways, Equity is back on Wednesday, and don't forget, this is the first week we are doing a live show, which tapes on Thursday. There's a post about it on TC. I'll put it up in the show notes. You can swing by, hop in, ask us questions, watch us tape live, and I think we're also going to federate it to Twitter spaces. So experimentation time, new year, should be a lot of fun. We'll see you then. Hugs. Bye. <laughs>